praise the Lord. Yes, the mic is on. Can you hear me? Um, Ryan, can you turn that up a little bit? All right. Okay. Um, there we go. I can hear, but I can't hear in the monitor. All right. So we do have a few announcements this week. Our prayer service is actually, we're not going to have it here. I mean, we say canceled, but it's not canceled. Uh, We do ask that you pray at home. We have uh, a missionary coming in on Wednesday, so we need to prepare for him. We have some youth that we're getting ready to go to camp. We're going to get them all ready and over to the Demus on Tuesday so they can head out early on Wednesday morning. So we will not meet here for prayer on Tuesday, but please be praying at home. Um, And then, like I said, Wednesday, we do have the missionary coming. It's Brother and Sister Cedra. They are um, regional evangelists in North Africa and Eurasia. And then the next week, we have family camp that is going on Sunday through Saturday, Um, something like that. But there is choir Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at camp, choir. So if you are interested, let me know. I can get you the information uh, if you would like to go one of those nights and be part of the choir. You are more than welcome. We just need to get in touch with the choir director for that uh, service, and they can get you the songs and the parts and all of that. So just let me know. Um, And in... Also, along those lines, there will not be a service here that Wednesday. Um, So let's see. What is that, the 6th? Wednesday the 6th, there will not be a service here uh, because many of us will be at camp. All right. Move the Mission, that is an offering uh, that we are promoting now. It's for buying vehicles for our missionaries. You know, ways, like it says, move the mission, ways for them to get to the people. And that deadline is August 21st. And my husband had an opportunity to thank everyone for the Father's Day slash anniversary gift. So now I just wanted to take an opportunity to thank all of you. You guys were just so thoughtful. You thought of everything. You know, you got everything we ever needed for the grill. That we don't need a dog for a grill. So you got what we needed. You know, from the the barbecue sauce to the barbecue or the sauce bottle for when we make our own, the utensils, the cleaner, the cover, the pellets so we could start grilling right away, the the double-stuffed Oreos for me. Yes, the, the oven mitts and the pot holders to take care of keeping us from not getting burned. And the apron, which uh, Sister Parker, if you're listening or watching, uh, where he's still trying to decide on what to be embroidered on that. So anyway, so many things and just you guys are just such a blessing to us. And we just hope that we can bless you as much as you bless us. Hallelujah. All right, let's let's get into worship, right? 
Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. It would have been enough if he brought love. It would have been enough if he brought peace. It would have been enough if he brought hope. But he put laughter into my soul. It would have been enough if he brought love. It would have been enough if he brought peace. It would have been enough if he brought hope. But he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. It would have been enough if he brought love. It would have been enough if he brought peace. It would have been enough if he brought hope, but he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he's brought life. And he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life. And he put laughter into my soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the love, the peace, the joy that you bring, the hope that you give us. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, la la boronta raikotore atar borosende. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are safe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Most high. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Most high, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Hallelujah. I am so thankful for the name of Jesus, the power that we have in your name. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, this place of refuge, place of sanctuary, Lord, where we can come and be safe. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord, hallelujah, we are saved in your name, saved by your blood. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you are worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cost and be willing to say yes. I will give you all, I will give you all, if all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold, and if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, Help me remember Calvary's cost and be willing to say yes. I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold, and if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cost and be willing to say yes. I will give you all, I will give you all, if all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold, and if my sacrifice is less, Then giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cost and be willing to say yes.
I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less, than giving you my very best. Help me remember Calvary's cost and be willing to say yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's reach out to Him for just a moment, can we, church? There's a spirit of worship in this place. Let's entertain the presence of God for just a minute, can we? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we're going to wait upon You for just a little while here. I pray, God, that you, Your presence, Your Spirit would manifest and that it would fill this house today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. There are needs that need to be met in this place. There are hurts, there are wounds, there's unforgiveness, there's all kinds of things that need to be worked out in this place. I pray, O oh God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Your presence would work these things out. Hallelujah, Jesus, as we reach out to You, as we cry out to You, Lord God. Minister to the needs here today, I pray. Oh, Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do, Lord, and magnify You. It is You, Lord Jesus, who sits upon the throne. It is You, Lord Jesus, who is our salvation. You alone are our salvation. You meet every need. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to hear Your voice today. Help us to feel Your presence, to feel Your touch. Help us to strive to enter in. Help us to strive to touch You today, to press through the crowd and touch the hem of Your garment. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. It's not always easy to get into Your presence. It's not always easy to hear Your voice. But Lord, we'll do the work. We'll wait upon You. We'll, we'll put in the effort. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to receive of You all that You're desiring to give. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for the ministration of your spirit here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One preacher told me a little while ago that these songs that we sing, they're not just songs. They're not just, they're not just words to a tune, but they mean something. And if we sing the words to these songs, the meaning and the intent of those words are what's being expressed by us. When we sing the words to a song... I will give you all. That's not just a song. That's not just a ditty that we're humming. That's a promise. That's a promise of intent. 
I'm going to give Him everything. Amen. I pray that's the desire of all of us here today. Is to give Him everything. As He has given everything to us. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Both services. You have waited upon the Lord and you have entertained His presence. God bless you. You can be seated for just a little while. Before we get into our message, I want to thank all of those that were able to come out yesterday and help with the cleanup, help with the, uh, we got our brand new speakers up. It only took about six and a half months to do that, but uh, we got them up. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. We got some new lights downstairs so we can see. Amen. We got everything cleaned. We got some stuff sorted out. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. So thank you, all of you that were out here yesterday. Uh, I know some of you were not able to for one reason or another, and, and uh, we appreciate that your, your desire, though, was, was to be here. Amen. Uh, as we were cleaning, I was made aware of, uh, maybe this is a situation, maybe it isn't, but I do want to address it just very briefly. Uh, when, no matter how nice I try to make the sound, it's probably going to come across wrong, uh, or, or, uh, obtuse. Please understand, I don't mean it like that. I just want to clear the air, okay? When stuff is donated to the church, uh, it's, it's, it's donated to the church, okay? Um, that's, that's always been my understanding, and if that is not your understanding, uh, if, if you have given the church something and that was not your intent, uh, please let me or my wife know uh, and uh, we'll get that back to you, okay? Uh, if, you, if your intention is to, to loan the church something, maybe for a special event or a special service or something like that, I get that. Uh, and then we can just give that back to you when the, the service or event is done. I have no problem with that. That's, that's awesome, and I, I appreciate your willingness to do that. But if it remains at the church, I'm going to assume that it's now the church's, okay? Uh, and if that's not the case, then somebody's got to talk to me and, and let me know otherwise. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. Uh, so uh, if you have... Uh, lent something to the church. Uh, again, please let me or my wife know we want to get that back to you. If it stays at the church, I'm going to assume it is the church's, okay? And and we'll we'll do with it as as we as a church deem necessary and fit. Does that make sense? Okay, awesome, awesome. And again, you have any questions about that? Uh, please talk to me. Don't talk to my wife. Um, in accordance with Brother Demuth's message, my wife is a, an amazing person. I lean on her heavily for counsel and for guidance, but the, the, the decision just isn't hers, okay? So if you're looking for a decision to be made, uh, please come and see me. I, I can actually make a decision for you. My wife will tell you, uh, just go see my husband, <laughs> okay? So uh, please talk to me if you have any questions about that. Uh, Tuesday prayer, yeah, uh, that is uh, at home tonight, tonight, this week. A couple days, yeah, a couple days tonight. <laughs> uh, 
The emphasis, for those of you that haven't been able to come to our Tuesday uh, prayer meetings, uh, the emphasis this week, or good grief, this month, is on revival, okay? And revival, of course, is not souls coming into the church, it's, it's reviving the people of God. It's reviving us, it's getting us refocused, it's getting our attention reaffixed on what's truly important, the work of God, uh, teaching Bible studies, reaching out, praying for the lost, praying for the backsliders, those kinds, and getting us repositioned, as it were, to accomplish what God is wanting to do. So, uh, as you're praying on Tuesday, please remember that. Uh, the Roe v. Wade thing uh, is an unexpected turn of events. I've got to be honest with you, that kind of caught me off guard. And I want to get excited about it. I do. But, see, here's the thing. Next week, that could, that could be overturned. That could be changed. The next elections, that can be changed or, or something else can happen. And my, my point in bringing this, all this up is, yeah, it's okay to, to be excited. It's, it's a win, for sure. Uh, I can't imagine how many lives now are going to be saved because it's now legal to ban abortion in, in whatever states are going to do that. That's an amazing turn of events. But understand that our salvation is not the government. Uh, we don't look to the government to establish the law of God or to, to make sure His kingdom moves forward. That's going to happen because of us and because of our connection and our covenant with God. Uh, the government really has nothing to do with that. Celebrate the win. Uh, we're going to mourn some losses in that area. But just, just keep everything in perspective. The government is not our salvation. Uh, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who gets elected or doesn't get elected. I mean, I'd rather have some people in than others, just like you. But at the end of the day, God is in charge. He's on the throne. He's got all of this taken care of. And we need to keep our hope and our faith and our confidence in Him. Not in the government. Okay? Stay involved with the government. Uh, you know, definitely vote. Vote your conscience according to what you believe the will of God is. That's, that's your right. That's your responsibility as a citizen. <clears throat> but just don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Put your stock in, in Scripture. Put your stock in the Word of God, in the Lord our God. Amen. Our message today is a very hard topic for me to preach on. Uh, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of hell. The idea of a place of eternal torment. And uh, if we understand anything about hell, if we understand anything about the people that are going to be there for all of eternity, I think we ought to weep a little bit. Like Brother DeMuth, I, I enjoy questions. I enjoy people asking me different questions. And uh, I've got to admit that this question has never actually been asked of me. I've considered it superficially myself. But I, I've always been satisfied with God is a just God and He's going to judge perfectly. And that's always been enough for me. But there are people, and I was asked this question recently, 
And I'd never really considered it. How can God consider it a just punishment for someone to spend an eternity in torment for a finite amount of years in sin? And the question I've got to admit at first, you know, questions generally don't bother me, especially if I know they're an honest question, but More and more, when I, when I get questions about the character of God and someone wants to, wants to question the, the motives of God or the character of God, I've got to be frank with you, that, that rubs me raw more and more. My God is perfectly just. He's perfectly holy. He judges righteous judgment. And uh, But the question, nonetheless, is an honest question. And <laughs> the, uh, the person that asked me this, I, I responded in a way that probably wasn't conducive to further discussion. But I pray that uh, I haven't closed that because I did get a little bit upset. In any case... Uh, after I calmed down, I, I felt like the question was good and it's worth researching. And so as I researched, uh, this message came, came to be. Is held just, that's the title of our message today, is held just. Our scripture text is going to be found in Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15. The Bible states this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works." And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You. We are so desperate for You. We are so desperate for Your so great salvation and for Your presence and for Your Word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would help us grasp the enormity, the completeness, the the hopelessness of those in hell. Help us to understand our sin and how You view it. Not how we do, but how You do. Help us to get a better grasp of Your holiness and Your righteousness. Help us to understand from Your perspective the righteous judgment of God. These things we ask in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You can be seated. Is an eternity in hell a just punishment for our sin? Our sense of morality and justice demand that the punishment fit the crime. We have a whole legal system dedicated to that one task, to make sure the punishment fits the crime. We in the United States would count it a bit harsh if someone stole an apple off of an apple stand to catch the individual and cut their hand off. We would probably view that as inhumane. We'd probably view that as unjust. That's a far worse punishment than the crime warrants. And so we look at this concept of hell. We live a finite time here. We can only sin so many years. But yet God demands that if I don't choose to be saved by Him, I have to spend eternity, forever, in a place of everlasting judgment. How is that right? How is that just? How is that fair? How can an infinite place of torment be a just punishment for a finite amount of crime? Wouldn't you would imagine every person's crimes be paid for at some point? I mean, this is the whole idea of purgatory, right? More or less, watered down a smidge. But I've got to imagine, one might say, that even Hitler would pay for his crimes after 10,000, 100,000, a million years. Doesn't that make sense? How does God see sin? As we look through Scriptures, it seems, at first blush, that God can overreact at times. He overreacts to our sin sometimes. When we look at Genesis 19.26, we read the account of Lot's wife. The verse says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. The commandment was to not look behind them. Keep looking forward. Well, she did. She looked back. I don't know if she got startled. Maybe she heard something, and maybe it was even just a reflexive thing. Nonetheless, she disobeyed, and God killed her. How is that just? All she did was make a little mistake. Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense therein, and offered strange fire before the Lord, fire that didn't come from the altar of God, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. They didn't get one of the instructions right. And God killed them for it. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. That's, that seems like he's overreacting a little bit. Numbers 15 and 35, And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. What was this man's sin? He was gathering wood on the Sabbath day. He was gathering wood. Guy needed a fire. Maybe he forgot to do it on, on Friday. I mean, what's the big deal really here? 
and he killed him for it? Joshua 7, 24 and 25. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire. Not just him, but his whole family. And burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. What was this man's crime? He needed a little money for retirement. I'm just looking after my family. I'm just, yeah. I don't know what's going to come tomorrow. But the commandment was don't touch it. Don't touch any of it. It's the Lord's. 2 Samuel 6, 6 and 7 says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. What was this man's crime? The ark was going to fall onto the ground. He, he kept it up. Does God want it tumbling onto the ground, spilling out all over the place? What's the crime here? He wasn't, he wasn't a Kohathite. He wasn't of the tribe of Levi. So he wasn't allowed to touch this. Only the Kohathites were allowed to touch this. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. We won't read through it. They lied to the apostles. They lied to the presence of the Spirit of God. So God killed them. Killed them both. Right in the presence of the whole church. A little lie? A little deception? I'll admit that's that's not good. But kill them? Is that just? Is that right? Is God overreacting in these situations? How does God view sin for Him to respond this way? These examples and the feelings of injustice they might stir up in us only serve to further illustrate our own fallenness. How desperately ignorant we are of how God views sin. See, you and I, we got this hierarchy set up. We got the great big sins and we got the little itty bitty sins. We don't, don't worry about these. Don't worry about these so much. We'll focus on these big ones. When the pastor commits adultery. Now that's a big one. But we, 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 we fidge a little bit on the, on the tax return. Well, that's okay. I mean, look what the government's doing to us. We can justify that easy enough. Is it a lie? Is it deception? Is God pleased with that? How does God view that? It may surprise you to know that God views that the exact same way as the pastor that commits adultery. The exact same way. God does not see sin like we do. God describes our sin as rebellion, ungodliness, lawlessness, wickedness, and abomination. 
and we're quite comfortable with our own sin. Worst case scenario, we get pricked in our heart and we ask God to forgive us. And please don't misunderstand me. God does prick you in your heart. That's exactly where you need to go. Is fall on your face before God and ask Him to forgive you. And He will. He's faithful and just to forgive us and thank God for that. But don't let that skew your view of sin. Don't let that alter the fact that God views that as an abomination. You have offended a holy and a righteous God. Sinners are traitors, refusing to love, thank, serve, and obey the God who created them, who gave us breath, life, and every good thing. They're traitors to the holiness and mercy of God. We can't view sin bad enough. We can't view our sin nature horribly enough to do it justice. Now we can view other people's sin pretty heinously. We're not too bad with that. It's our own sin that we get really comfy with far too easily. Our secret sins, those little things that we struggle with, nobody knows. God knows. God most certainly knows. How does God view that? Now, how do we see sin? We minimize our own sin, but magnify the sins of others, especially if that sin was committed against us personally. We have a very subjective view of morality and justice. And I don't care how long you've been in church and serving God, your view of sin is still a little bit subjective. God help us all. We have hierarchies of sin. We got misdemeanors. We got felonies. God has one standard. Do you measure up to my standard of righteousness or no? Period. The Bible teaches us that if we're guilty at one point of the law, we're guilty of all the law. It doesn't matter which point you've offended God in. Little white lie, mass murder, anything in between. You're no longer holy. You're no longer righteous before God. Worthy of the same condemnation as every other sinner. <clears throat> For the man, the question is, well, what did he do? What was his intent? Who was the crime committed against? Were there any mitigating circumstances? Was anyone hurt? How much? Did anyone suffer loss? How much? Etc., etc., etc. We've got all of these qualifications and these situations that we need to discover and, and realize before we can make a, a sound judgment. For God, it's simply yes or no. He's not too concerned with what was your intent. He's not too concerned with who is the crime committed against. Was anyone hurt or no? Suffer loss? No. Did you do it or didn't you? No one put a gun to your head. No one forced you to do it. You did that of your own free will, your own volition. We keep thinking that God does or at the very least should 
follow our morality when it comes when it's us who should be following God's morality. People think that God should be following ours. God's morality is the same as mine. God views sin the same way I do. That's why people can ask this question in the first place. It's because of our gross ignorance of how God views sin. That's how this question comes to be in the first place. We don't understand how God views sin. God does not follow our morality. He follows His morality. And we are required by law, by God's law, to follow His. I'm not going to be judged by your idea of right and wrong, and you're not going to be judged by mine. We're all going to be judged by God's view of right and wrong. And I don't care. I care a little bit how that makes you feel and and how that sits with you. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that sits well with you or not. Because you're still going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you're still going to be judged by His book, His law, His righteousness, His holiness. Whether I want to be or not, well, I choose not to. Your choice is gone now. You made your choice. You had the power of choice here, today. When we stand before His judgment seat, we don't have a choice anymore. That choice is gone. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we are going to be judged by this book whether you want it or not. People view the doctrine of hell as cruel, morally revolting, monstrous, repugnant, reprehensible, even evil. Would to God they would apply those terms to their own sin. That's where those terms apply. That's where those terms ought to be applied. My rebellion against a holy and a righteous God. The idea that I have that I can decide for myself what's right and wrong. And I can live however I want and flaunt it in the presence of God. I can disobey Him at will. I can tell Him yes, no, maybe, whatever, whenever I want, however I want, and expect to get away with it. That's morally revolting. That's monstrous. That's repugnant. That's evil. That is exactly how God views our sin. And if we cannot or will not see sin as God sees it, we are never going to grasp the perfect righteousness and justice with which we are condemned to hell for all eternity. If we refuse salvation if we refused God's payment on Calvary for our sins, we're going to pay for them ourselves. Those are the two choices, the two options. That's it. There's no third choice. There's no door three. There's two and only two choices. You pay for those sins yourself, or you allow Jesus Christ to pay for them Himself. That's it. we can't see that, we are going to spend all eternity in hell. And we're going to do it justly. And we're going to do it righteously. Another thing we fail to grasp 
other than how God views our sin, we don't understand God's holiness. Not only do we fail to grasp the horror of our own sin, but we cannot grasp the absolute holiness of God. We tend to minimize both. And the best example I can give of this, this uh, separation between what I can grasp and how holy He truly is, is I went to a parochial Parochial, parochial, thank you. Parochial school from kindergarten to sixth grade. Okay, it was a Lutheran school, but I was very sheltered. Very sheltered. It was a church school. It was in the 70s, and I know some of you were, you already had careers in the 70s, so. (laughs) I know, I know. But uh, I uh, I was very sheltered. And so when I got into seventh grade, I made my transition from a parochial school to a public school. And I saw how public school kids act on the bus. And I was horrified at the language they were using. My parents used that. They were good Lutheran parents. They used all of that. But I was never allowed to use that. My brother and sister would never never have even thought to use those kinds of words. They're using them all over the place. And no one's saying anything. I was horrified to step into that kind of environment. I was utterly unprepared. Completely unprepared for that. And that shocked me for a long time. Unfortunately, I adapted and I started falling in line. <clears throat> but that was that was a nightmare for me. And I was a sinner. It was just different degrees. Now imagine. Imagine if a perfectly holy God steps into that kind of a situation. How must he respond? How must he react? to my sin, to my unrighteousness. I can't imagine how He must look at my sin. I know how He looks at me, and thank God He loves me. But He hates my sin. And there's a reason why He hates my sin. We don't understand God's holiness. We don't understand just how holy He is. We don't understand just how righteous He is. All we have to judge those things on is our own morality, our own examples, and and whatever our, our minds can ascend to. That's it. That's all we got. But God is far ascending above that. He is so far beyond that. We can't grasp it. We can't imagine it. But it's true nonetheless. And so when we, when we imagine sinning against that kind of a God, when we present our, our sin and our rebellion and our transgression into His presence, how He has got to respond to that. So we don't know how God views sin. 
We don't know how holy God is. And we don't understand the one that we're sitting against. There's this idea we have, and it's a right idea, of viewing the severity of punishment based on the person offended. If I go out in the yard and pluck up some weeds and smash them and rip them up and get all mad, what's my punishment going to be for that? I killed a plant. Absolutely nothing. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that I killed a weed. They're probably going to thank me for it. Now what if I do that to an animal? What if I shoot a deer? Shoot a turkey? Kill them dead? As long as I got the licenses and all of that stuff. Yeah, hey, good job. How many points did you get? Man, awesome. Can I get some venison? Now, what would happen if I punched someone on the street? Not kill them, just punch them. Punch them in the face. Well, people would be a little bit shocked by that. I might get punched back. He might call the cops on me. He might sue me. People are going to care a little bit more about that. Now, let's say the police officer comes and I punch him in the face. Same crime. Different. Yeah. And if I were a Democrat. <clears throat> All of that aside. <clears throat> the, uh, the punishment's going to be a little bit steeper now, isn't it? Now, let's say I walk into the White House and punch President Biden in the face. What's the punishment for that? Quite a bit worse, right? Now, let's say we're able to trans back in, transport back into time and uh, visit any, one, any number of ancient kings. And I got into the court of this king and punched him in the face. Yep. There would be pretty much no question there. That's what, that that would, would be expected. Anyone that saw that, is he still alive? Why is he still breathing? Same crime. So what should the punishment be when the offended person is God Himself? What should the punishment be when the offended person is God? Crimes against an infinite being justly earns an infinite consequence. We need to understand who it is we're sitting against. This isn't JC. This isn't the old man upstairs. This isn't my homie, my buddy, my piso. <laughs> Never heard that? <laughs> okay. This isn't the guy I go slumming with. This isn't the guy I go bowling with on Saturday afternoon. This is God. This is the, the Almighty God. 
He's my heavenly Father. And I have a covenant relationship with Him. But i got to understand, He's God. And I respect Him, and I fear Him, and I reverence Him. I magnify Him. I worship and I exalt Him. Because He's God. And if I ever get too comfortable with Him, I pray He gets me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> that reminds me of a... Has anybody read Lake Wobegon Days? I haven't read it, but I, I, I heard something from the author once. And there was a, there was a thing in there, I guess, uh, where the, the protagonist is, is going to church on Sunday. And he's, he or she, she's relating the story. Yeah, and the preacher, the preacher's goal, as is, is he states it, is always to, to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Well, there were a lot of afflicted people there in church that Sunday morning. <laughs> I thought that was kind of humorous. It just reminded me of that. But in any case, I want to I want to be comfortable in the presence of God. In that, I want to I want to feel comfortable approaching Him. I want to know what to do when I'm in His presence. But I don't want to be comfortable in His presence to the point where I'm, I'm shallow or shoddy or I get casual with Him. Because as soon as I do, my understanding of God is off. We don't understand our own natures, and I've spoken on this several times before. Our own natures is that we are sinners. Before we're, before we're saved, before God creates in us a new creature, old things are passed away, all things are become new, we are born in sin. We are born in bondage to sin. And we are utterly without hope. We have no hope, not without Jesus Christ, not outside of His salvation. We have no hope at all. And if I live this life without God, I'm going to continue in my sin. And when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I stand before Him as an unrepentant sinner. And when He justly punishes me and condemns me to eternity in hell, I'm going to spend an eternity in that same state as a sinner. I'm going to continue in my sins for all eternity. For sake of argument, let's say that we could pay for our sins in this life eventually. You can't. For reasons already stated. But let's say you can. I'm going to be sitting every moment of every day while I'm in hell. And those sins are going to need to be paid for. That doesn't change. I can't change. Not without Jesus Christ. And, and those in hell are bereft of hope. They're bereft of the grace and presence of God. Forever. In this life, we have another option. We have another choice. 
there, we will not have a choice. That choice is gone, and we're going to know it. We're going to know we had the choice, and we let it go. For whatever reason, inconvenience, i got other things going on, I don't want to. You're going to want to then, but it's going to be too late. If you could take it back, you would. If you could go back to that moment in time where someone taught a Bible study, witnessed to you about the, the plan of salvation, testified to the grace of God, you'd say yes in a heartbeat. But you can't now. And you're never going to be able to again. Some might say, well, that's not much of a choice. I sell out completely to God and do everything He says or suffer an eternity in hell. That's kind of a strong-arm tactic, don't you think? I would say to that, do you deserve a choice at all? If I'm drowning in the ocean, I'm a guy. I like guy things, okay? If you're going to throw me a life raft, throw me something that looks like a a manly life raft. But if you throw me a pink unicorn-shaped life raft, I promise you, I'll ride that thing all the way in. You can take pictures of me riding that pink unicorn. I don't care. I'm riding to safety. I'm riding to salvation. I don't care. I don't care what method you use. Tie a rope around my foot. I don't care how degrading it is. This kind of a statement shows a gross ignorance of our position with God before salvation. I think I'm a pretty good guy. I think I'm a good guy. Love my wife, love my kids. Make sure all the bills are paid. I don't break the law. I'm a good citizen. I'm a good guy. What's God got against me? Let's go back to how we view sin. Have I broke the law? Yes or no? Well, it's just, have you broke the law or no? What well, was only the, did you break the law or no? Yes. Then you're a sinner. And you need salvation and that's it. You're not going to make it on your own. We don't understand I think sometimes we don't want to understand the position that human beings are in before salvation. A statement like this shows a gross ignorance of our position with God before salvation. It shows a gross ignorance of the covenant He wants to establish with us. It shows a gross ignorance of the place that we're headed without Him. I'm not selling out myself as a slave to God. He wants a covenant relationship with me. He wants to adopt me into His family. He wants to set me free. He wants to set us free. There will be one And only one option for us in hell. Our own sin nature 
And God's grace, which was rejected in life, will no longer be an option. As such, we will continue existing forever in that state, a state that we chose. A state that we chose. We will continue forever in our sin. Therefore, we're going to continue sinning forever. We're going to pay for those sins forever. The judgment is just. God doesn't view sin like you and I do. God's holiness is far beyond anything that we could possibly comprehend. Our understanding of who we are is grossly misrepresented. Hell is just because of the nature of sin. Hell is just because of the true extent of God's holiness. Hell is just because of the one who was offended. And hell is just because by our own choice, our own volition, we will remain in our sinful state forever sinning, forever in rebellion against God. If you think there is going to be repentance in hell, I truly don't believe there will be. Anger, rage, maybe some of that. But there will be no repentance in hell. There will be no grace given for it. That grace is gone. The presence of God is gone. But in this life, today, men and women everywhere still have hope. We still have hope of avoiding that place of eternal torment. It is absolutely just. God is absolutely just. And I don't like the reality of it any more than anyone else does. I'm going to have family members, I'm sure, that won't make it. People I've known for years won't make it. And I hate that. I wish to God they would open their eyes and see that God would do something. Slap him upside the head. Let something happen to him. Let something, anything, to get them to see, to realize. But they may not. Do you mean to tell me my mom, my grandma, so-and-so is in hell right now? I don't know where they're at. I'm not God. You're not God. The only thing I can determine for sure, according to the Scriptures, is where I'm going. That's who I need to worry about. That's who I need to worry about. For better or for worse, it's too late for my grandma and grandpa. They're gone. My mom, I don't know where she's at. She's gone. But she's in the hands of a perfectly just and righteous God. And I know that whatever judgment He makes is... It's going to be right. It's going to be right. There's nothing I can do or say against that. Because He's my God and I trust Him. 
and I love him. And he knows the whole situation. But here's what I know, folks. You and I today, we've got a choice. We've got a choice to make every single day of our lives. I don't know where they're at. I know where I am headed. I believe with all of my heart, I know where I'm going right now. And i got to make sure I stay that way. Every moment of every day, we've got choices to make. And we've got to make the right ones. Because there's a day coming where that choice is no longer an option. There's a day coming soon, so very soon, that I'm not going to have a choice anymore. I'm going to stand before Him as my judge. My judge. Not my Savior anymore. My judge. And He's going to open this book, the book He gave me. The book He's given me so much opportunity and time to study and to memorize and to know and to teach. That's what I'm going to be judged by. I want so desperately to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to make it. I'm not trying to avoid hell anymore. I don't want to go to hell. Nobody does. That's not my motivation anymore. That's how I started. Now I want to see Jesus. I want to see the one who died for me. I want to see the one who paid the ultimate price for me so that I could be with him forever. I want to see the one that loved me through every step of this process, who was patient with me through every step of this process, who never left me, never forsook me, who was always there. I want to see him. And not through a glass darkly anymore. I don't want to see shadows and I don't want to hear whispers, though. I want to see him face to face. I want to worship Him face to face. I want to hold His hands. I want to hug Him. I want to thank Him for what He did for me. But I can't do that if I don't make the right choices. I can't do that if I, if I fail. Let's all stand. Let's all make our way to the front. God is here now.
folks, we've got to start seeing reality as it is. Not how we wish it was. Not how we want it to be. start seeing things as they are, we can start making right choices, right decisions. You have no idea, and I have no idea how desperate God is for each and every one of us. How desperate He is for a relationship with us. How desperate He is to save us from ourselves. Our own ignorance desperate he is to reveal light and truth to us. There is a real place called hell, and it does last forever. It's a place of everlasting suffering and eternal separation from a holy and a righteous God. But there is also a heaven, a place of eternal bliss, everlasting closeness to our Savior. difference between the two is as simple as one choice. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to make the right choice today, that you would continue to help us to make the right choice tomorrow, Tuesday, next week, and next month, and next year. Help us to continue making the next right choice. Help us to be led of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, help us to get as excited about hell, as fearful as we are of it. Help us to get excited about heaven as much as we're in it. exactly how we incorporate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ into our lives, how we enter into a covenant relationship with you. Let's to give ourselves to you, all of us, every bit of us. 
understanding. Help us to see sin as you see it. There are no little white lies. There are no there are no situational ethics with you. Help us to understand what's at stake every time we speak to someone. Every time we're praying for someone, help us to understand what's at stake. They've still got a choice. They've still got hope. They still have an option. That option someday is going to be removed. It's going to be gone. Their final choice is going to be made. It's going to be set in stone. Forever settled in heaven. to those who are hungry, those who are searching, those who are questioning, those who are wondering, is there anything more, is there there anything better out there? Some of us were in that exact same situation. There is something better, infinitely better. There's so much more out there. sister come alongside of us and bear that weight with us we're working with you we're partnering we're covenanting with you bear that weight with us help us I pray help us Lord Jesus to accomplish all of your heart to accomplish all of your mind to manifest in this economy the perfect will of God help us to take our ministries seriously Lord Jesus Knowing what's at stake. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
things that God desires to do in these end times are I guess it's kind of like understanding the holiness of God they are so far beyond our imagination they are so far beyond anything that we've seen in the past heard about can't imagine these are things that God wants to do in your life not worldwide not in the nation not through Brother Bernard not through Brother Booker through you He wants to work through you but the problem is we don't always believe it and there's a lot of reasons for that we don't believe He wants to work through us We don't believe He wants to speak through us or to work miracles and signs and wonders through us. How much more effective witness would we be if we could say with confidence, and I'm I'm speaking to myself too, how much more effective would we be as witnesses if we could say with confidence, with boldness, with certainty, that the things in this book are absolutely true. Every promise that's in this book is absolutely true, and it's true every time I stand on it. It's true every time I ask about it. That'd make us pretty bold. If we were a little bit less fearful about situations and circumstances, if we were a little bit less concerned about who is going to be elected in November, what the prices of gas are presently. Let me tell you something, folks. Can God provide or can't He? Now that's an easy question, isn't it? Of course He can. Now the next question is a little bit harder to answer. Will He or won't He? Not as many answers. That's exactly what I expected. That's the problem, isn't it? That's the question we all have from time to time. Will He? When I need Him the most, is He going to be there? Because let's be frank. We've all prayed for things and we've all prayed for healing. God didn't heal. Does God promise healing? You better believe He promises healing. So why didn't he heal? See, that's why, folks, that's why we have the attitude about doctors that we do in the United States. We get a few times of that. We'll do our Christian duty and we'll we'll pray about it, but we're definitely going to see the doctor. We're definitely going. That's where our trust is. That's where our confidence is. It's not in Jesus. It's in the doctor. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Go to the doctor. That's fine. I I have no problem with anyone seeing a doctor. But my problem starts when our confidence is in the man or the woman and not in God. My Bible says that He's my provider. So I have, to, I have to interpret that as if I'm doing His will, 
He's going to make a way to make that happen. Okay? Gas is exorbitantly overpriced. Absolutely it is. But God is going to make a way for me to get to wherever I need to go to do whatever He wants me to do. Gas prices notwithstanding. He can literally teleport me from place to place if He wanted to. He can make my gas run on nothing but faith. He didn't that one time, though. <clears throat> but He could if He wanted to. I don't see a promise in here for that. <laughs> but if He wanted to... He could answer my prayer for, for provision that way. However he wants. I can get a long-lost great-uncle to give me a check for a thousand bucks. Yeah, that'll get me wherever I need to go. He can provide my needs. If we would take him at his word, church. And again, I'm speaking to myself. I so desperately, I so desperately need to get to this place where I can just take him at his word. When he says something, I just believe it. I just believe that it's going to, to go according to his word. I don't know why I'm not there yet, but I'm desperate to get there. I'm desperate to get there because there are things that I know he wants to do, and they're not happening. There are things that he's promised that need to be seen, that need to be heard, need to be felt, need to be experienced, and they're not happening. They've got to. They've got to. There are people out there that are going to hell. There are family members of ours that are going to hell. Unless we start getting some things, unless I start getting some things right. I have my experiences, and then I have what I see in this book. And they don't always line up. What does that mean? Well, there's no problem with this book. There's a problem with my experiences. That's where the problem is. Why is that? Any number of reasons. I'm going to trace them down and God's going to help me and I'm going to get that sorted out. But this... Christians that are fearful, Christians that are in doubt and in wonder, Christians that that can't put their hope and their trust in God are a tragedy. They're a tragedy, and we've all been there. Maybe we're there today. That's tragic. We have got to put Jesus first. We have got to make sure that in our minds, our hearts, our spirits, we trust Him above everything else. If my experience contradicts Scripture, then my experience is wrong. Well, God doesn't answer every time I pray for a healing. I don't see, I see things contrary to that in this book. I see Jesus healed everyone that had a sickness or disease. I see in Matthew 10 where he commissioned the 12, he commanded them to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out devils. Freely ye've received, freely give. In my mind, that's part of our commission. That's not always happening in my ministry. Why is that? Well, I must be misinterpreting Scripture. No, I'm not misinterpreting Scripture. Believe me. Believe me. I've been searching that out for years. 
I can't find anywhere where that's happening. All I can find is a problem here. That's the only thing I've been able to discover. And God is wanting to do so many wondrous things, so many powerful things. Just just like that. Where we don't have to pray and fast for 40 days and we don't have to wait a year with prayer meetings and stuff like that to, to get to the place where, where God can do a little bit. That's not God's will. He wants to move through us freely. He wants us to just maybe even just step aside and let God just work what He's going to do through you. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about what you're going to do next. Let Him direct you. See what God will do. See what God will do. Amen. I'm sorry. There is... God is so awesome. He's so awesome. and We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what He wants to do here in this church, in our individual families, our individual lives. Everything that we've heard about, every crazy thing we've heard about, is nothing, nothing compared to what God wants to do. And there are some of you even now that don't believe that. I pray in Jesus' name that all of us all of us will begin to cave in and begin to accept the fact that God wants to work through me. That God loves me. That God wants a relationship with me. That God wants to work miraculously through me. That God wants to answer every one of my needs every single time. to explode out into the city this county the plans that I've had the situations I've imagined constantly having to get new ones and adapt those plans to what God is wanting to do I'll very gladly do that but I want to see him happen see him happen through all of you, through each and every one of you. In closing, Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for your presence here today. You have been here so very powerfully the entire day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the ministration of your spirit. I pray, Lord, help us to believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to place our absolute faith and trust and confidence and hope in the Lord our God. Not in the strength of man, not in the wisdom of man, but in the Lord our God. Help us to look to you for answers. Help us to look to you for deliverance, for healing, for provision, for salvation. Everything that we have need of, we would find it in you. And use us, I pray, wondrously as, as our understanding begins to open as to what you, how you see us and what you desire to do in us and through us. As we receive light, help us to walk in light. Help us to walk in those revelations. Amen. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would minister to every need. 
Send angels to encamp about your people, an exceeding good and precious people. Minister to their needs this week. Protect them from all forms of harm and injury. Lead us back to the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so very much. You're an awesome group of people. Your response to the presence of God is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being sensitive to his presence. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.